0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to a bonus episode of A Female Lens. While we were at the Sundance Film Festival, we had the opportunity to talk with two virtual reality artists and one team about their virtual reality projects premiering at the New Frontier program at the festival.
1: First up is Melissa Painter with the project Embody. Then we chat with the team of Mechanical Souls. We chat with the director, Gail Moore, writer L.P. Lee, and DP, Celine Tricart. Lastly, we interviewed Teak Mock with her project Grisai. <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting Absolutely. with us. We're so delighted to chat with you. And yeah, we had never experienced a VR experience. Is that what you call them? Yes. Okay, cool. We I love not... that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this was our first one. That was incredible. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, we've got some questions for you. So I guess just to start us off, for someone who knows nothing about VR, how do you explain it and what do you want them to know?
2: From a sensory standpoint, when you're inside a virtual reality headset, you are in a 360 degree space. And so that's novel because a lot of us have had our relationship with traditional media with flat rectangular screens, right, of all different scales now. But this is different in that way. I used to be a filmmaker. So for me, a bigger difference about it than that is that we build in real-time game engine. And so this project is built in a way where it's coded. There's nothing about it that's linear. So it's entirely driven by your own, as a user, your own interaction with it. And so to me, the thing that makes um, virtual reality very, very different than other media experiences, and more you know, more like a game but not exactly, is that fact that it's, it's happening in real time, it's different every time, and it's interactive.
0: So if we did this again, would it be slightly different?
2: It would be completely different. I mean, if you decided to stand still, something else would happen. If you moved at a different pace, something else would happen. So it's interesting. For me, I started out as a traditional filmmaker directing narratives. Um, But even when I was doing that, I always liked shooting in real locations and looked for actors who brought a lot of authenticity to performances. I moved to documentary, and I realized that I really liked making with real-world elements. Part of that is making with things that are always changing that in some ways out of your control. And your job becomes to find the path, the story, the meaningful thing through all those pieces. So for me, the most profound thing about making in this space is that the last creative person who touches it is the user, not me. And I really enjoy that as a maker. It allows me to completely let go of that part of the process. But it also, I feel like, is an opportunity to create a media that allows people who don't necessarily live in a creative pursuit or do that for a living to have an authentically creative experience.
0: So I had a question about just how physical this experience was, you know, it's really related to our bodies and what we did. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience with, um, modern dance or did you? Yeah. So I used, I had a dance practice and I
2: managed a dance company for a while, always never as, you know, my main job, but as something that matters in my life. And I also do a lot of yoga and I'm married to someone who used to be a professional athlete. So, and you guys with the theater background, same thing, right? Like our body is our first creative tool; it's an instrument. I think that that's a really important thing for people to understand. I don't think you fully have uh, human experience if you don't have um, if you don't have some sort of body knowledge. When kids are little, they come into the world as kinesthetic learners; they need to move to understand things. I don't think that changes throughout our lifetime. So one of the things that I find very sad about Present day US is that a lot of people are very, very um, disassociated from their physical selves. And to me, a lot of that is because of technology. I mean, we're so wrapped into uh, our two dimensional screens and the pace at which they're asking us to work that um, we've really stepped back from the real wisdom that comes from some of those traditions. And so, for me, in this space, one of the other things I really love about spatial computing is the idea that it's an opportunity to reframe our relationship to technology and to remember that the body has a role. Um, It's interesting, I'm not, you know, there are a lot of dancers and architects who are turning to this space for this and immersive theater makers for the same reason because I think we all understand that actually those skills have a lot of impact in this space. Another thing which is super interesting to me is that humans understand just biologically, we understand a lot from movement. Our ability to read movement and decide is someone happy or angry, is that my son or my husband? From even just three data points, if you imagine a data point coming off each joint on your body, a human can recognize a lot of that meaning just from three data points, like one elbow, one knee, one you know earlobe. And that's crazy. It's because we've got so much biology that's driven us to be able to, um, to read those signals. And so I'm really interested in trying to awaken that part of the human.
0: Could you talk about the use of nature in this experience? I thought that was really interesting. I wasn't expecting to be surrounded by nature, I guess, in virtual reality
2: again, as a maker, have always really liked to make out of real world things. And nature and um, natural imagery has played a dominant role in a lot of the things that I've made in my lifetime. Um, In Game Engine right now, I'm really interested in the way in which we can create um, movement and animation and patterns that actually feel really organically natural Um, without trying to duplicate the thing. Like, I'm not trying to make the metaverse or say we never need to see a real tree. But I do believe that it's very beautiful and interesting that some of these, um, that these, in theory, artificial spaces can actually start to have some natural behavior. And I also really am just not someone who likes what a lot of people would call like a dominant game aesthetic, I really prefer an aesthetic that touches back to the real world and echoes the real world. And then I guess the last thing about it is you know, there's a lot of, I would say, fear on the side of people who celebrate the natural world that technology um, is one of the things that's really disassociating people from it. But I would say you know, so is living in cities, so is. There's a lot about contemporary society that disassociates people from nature, and it's not just that everyone's staring into a cell phone. So I like the opportunity for technology to give me, at least, the feeling that I have when I'm standing at a beach. Um, And I think, you know, that's something... It it is the flat-out truth that that's something some people just can't get to. Can you explain what game engine means? Yes, so we build with a game engine called Unity Technologies. um, And a game engine is an in-real-time system that's, that's like the platform that we're building on. So um, a lot of the AAA game companies have their own game engines. Really what it is, is like think of it as like the infrastructure that allows the code that makes up an experience like this to deliver these in-real-time moments. And what in-real-time means, means that it can change instantaneously, that it, those pixels... Are coming together just in that way, just for that moment. There's a lot of other mechanics to it, um, but that's you know. So on my on my team, we have a lot of people who are working in engine, but they're working at it from different directions. We've got really really strong smart engineers who are doing the code writing part of it, and then we've got really talented 3D artists who are doing that side of it, and those two things meet in the middle inside that engine.
1: So we read that your undergraduate degree was in ancient Greek. (laughs) You've been a filmmaker. How did all this lead you to become interested in virtual reality? When I was studying ancient Greek, which is what I did as an undergrad,
2: I was studying it because I wanted to be able to read Homer and the tragedies in the original. And the reason I wanted to be able to read them in the original is that a lot changes in translation and... um, And the reason I was drawn to them is actually I thought I wanted to go up to be an actor. And I was really interested in looking at the dawn of um, storytelling and theater as a culture-building tool, which is what it was. I mean, Greece believed that theater had medical reasons. I mean, so do I, right? This whole idea of catharsis, et cetera. So... At the time, though, I knew, I mean, I wasn't trying to grow up to be a professor. I knew that I wanted to turn to the arts, but I sort of wanted a, a core um, a core base knowledge in where some of these ideas had come from. The other thing, and then I went into to film and loved it, but around... Uh, Six years ago, I was given the opportunity to step in to lead a lab that was working in Immersive, and I had never run a job that even had engineers on it. I mean, I have to tell you, it was like a huge shift and it was actually a very very important large job with a very large budget and I would get on these conference calls with 17 engineers on them and I would like in theory be leading the call and I would not understand a word out of anyone's mouth like I'm not not even a word and I used to sit there and think like how many of these am I going to sit on before any of it makes sense and then there was there were a couple things that that clicked Um, three things one I realized it was right back, like being at the beginning of when film was invented, which is something that I'd studied. I'd studied the invention of silent film and thinking about like, what an important moment that was and how many decisions got made about what this is for and who's it for and who gets to sell, tell stories and who gets to direct, not that many women, et cetera. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, in ancient Greek, Homer, was it, it's an oral tradition. So it's a story made by many authors. Told in a shared space over a long time. And uh, I really believe that there's a power in collective storytelling, and that single authorship things, which is what a lot of films have become, are actually not that great for society. And so when I realized that this was a space that was alive in those kinds of ways, that was like theater, that was like documentary, that was like Homer, it was like, okay, I think this is the moment. It's actually... The first time in my life I've thought I was at the right place at the right time.
0: Your feature film Steal Me premiered at Sundance back in 2005. What are you most excited about um, for this year's festival and your VR project?
2: So, the first time I went to Sundance was in 1992. Oh my gosh. With a short film. And from that, I was invited um, into the director's lab, and that's how I got to make my first feature. And then I've um, been there. Uh, Still Me was the last film that I premiered there and that I've been there two other times with Immersive work. For me, Sundance is um, many things. It's a community that I uh, feel deeply at home in and really uh, believe in as having been an incredibly important cultural force. Um, It's also, for me with Immersive, a time when I get to see the work of my colleagues and am deeply inspired by it. And traditionally, it's always just a place where people who are looking for the edge of storytelling and storytelling that has values at its core show up, and so it's fantastic in that way. Um, the people who curate New Frontiers uh, are brilliant, and so it's also just exciting to see, you know, what's there. Um, this year, it feels like there's going to be a lot of things. Shari um, has been, who's the chief curator, has been talking a lot about. Um, biometric inputs, et cetera, and that's something that's really interesting to me. So I'm excited to see how that's turning up in other people's work.
1: You spoke at the beginning about um, you kind of you give up the control, yeah. right? That the the person, the user, is is actually having the final say, kind mm-hmm. of, in how they experience it. Do you still have an idea though of what you want them to leave with, and and what you want them to get out of what you're examining through this work, or is it really just up to them and how they? experience at all
2: there's always um a feeling that I hope they will leave with and and sometimes more than one feeling but it's not much more directive than that and so in the case of this experience the feelings I was hoping someone would leave with are one just to remember that their body is a creative tool Um, And two, I wanted them to physically feel a little bit different in their body and then to think, wow, I just stepped out of an experience between me and technology that actually left me physically feeling different.
1: There was something so cool about that where you experience the whole thing on your own, Mm -hmm. but then the end, I was like... Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: I am touching another person. And like the power of that touch was so different than if I had just been like, hey Jennifer, give me a high five. Because you you don't quite know what to expect, even though you know exactly what that's going to be. You know what somebody else's hand feels like when you reach out to touch them. But it's the anticipation and not really knowing and then experiencing that. And like the pressure was so much stronger than I was expecting. We were both like really pushing into each other's hand. And there was such an energy in that that was really surprising.
2: Oh, I love that. Well, for me, this whole piece is about energy, right? The energy that's in our bodies, the energy that's in the natural world, and that the energy that we pass between us. And that's what the project is about. So I'm glad that's what you took away from it. That's awesome. Great. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much for chatting with us. Absolutely. You guys thank were you.
2: very, very well prepared. with lovely questions.
1: Oh, thank, thank you. you. Well, you, you taught us so much. We learned yeah. so much. And we're excited to experience more virtual reality and, and that story. Yeah, that way of storytelling. It's fascinating.
3: Awesome. Thank awesome, you. awesome.
2: Well, we have a lot someday. come back. There's other stuff we'd love to show you.
3: I'm Gael Mo, I'm the co-writer and director of Mechanical Souls. I'm LP Lee,
4: I'm the co-writer and had the concepts. And I am Celine Tricart, I was the cinematographer of
5: Mechanical Souls.
1: So if we could just hear a little bit about the genesis of this idea and how you all came to work together and then collaborate to make this a reality.
5: Uh, so um, initially it started off its life as a short story set in South Korea um, and I was really curious about how we navigate Different social expectations, and also it would be very fun to add a robot to the mix. Um, and Gail and I started talking about this project a few years ago, and we were interested in seeing different ways we could take the story, different contexts. Um, I had been a bridesmaid in Tianjin in China a few years ago. Um, it was it was not in any way. Um, traumatic like uh, the potential murder mystery of our series Um, but it was it gave me uh, the idea of the setting of having a luxurious um, Chinese hotel. Yeah and so um, we thought
3: it would be really fun to explore this story um, and give it a sort of um, satirical thriller tone Um, and as we all came together um, L.P. Lee, you'd lived in Beijing and you'd spent a summer in Taiwan. Um, I had grown up in Singapore and we teamed up with French producers and Taiwanese co-producers so we thought it would be great to set it in Taiwan where the
4: core themes of the story could really come forward. Um, the French production company got in touch with me because I have a long track record in um, being a DP specialized in virtual reality. And uh, I had a film last year at Sundance that they saw. And so they put me in touch with Gael first because we only met actually in Taiwan, I think. Uh, and Gael and had a discussion. We met for the first time in at the Cannes Film Festival, face-to-face, and had a discussion. And then um, Gael wanted to have um, a very uh, sleek, a very dramatic look, uh, which talked to me because I am not too much into the French style <laughs> of cinematography. I'm more into very strong colors, strong shadows, directional lighting, and that's also what Gail wanted. So then we decided to work together on this. Yeah, we um, we I remember we also specifically
3: connected on um, using color... <clears throat> excuse me, using colour as a means of um, uh, communicating a mood Um, and I thought that was really exciting and really
4: cool because I'd wanted to do that for a really long time. Yeah, for example, there is uh, two things happening in the same room and the including the last scene of the, 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 the first episode, which I'm not going to say what it is because you have to find it for yourself. But we changed slightly the saturation of the main colour, which was red, uh, of the scene from an orangey for the first scene to a more violent red for the last scene. And it's kind of subtle, but it kind of tells you what state of mind the character is in. Can you also talk about
1: the way that you combined both theatrical elements and the VR elements together uh, as part of the experience? That's that's definitely something I noticed.
3: Um, so just to reiterate, you mean like theatrical as in? Like, yeah, like yeah, theater,
1: like life, because like, you are introduced as kind of part of the world and, and there's actors in the room um, that kind of introduce the whole piece. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what, where was that choice always a part of it, or um, did that kind of come about as you kept working on it?
3: Um, So originally the piece was conceived as purely a VR film, and then as we were preparing for our release and we were preparing to um, hopefully come to Sundance, and yay, we made it, (laughs) um, we thought about how to best engage with the audience and how to really immerse them within the story world, so that's when the idea came forward to create an immersive piece, Um, and so... Uh, L.P. Lee and I wrote uh, the the script for the interactive piece um, in strong collaboration with our producers. Um, So we all thought about how to best engage with the audience, how to really get them to talk about their different experiences because this is an interactive film uh, that uses gaze tracking technology, which means that the viewer is not necessarily aware that they are choosing their own adventure, essentially. So the goal was to make sure that they realized that they hadn't all seen the same storyline and that whilst they had seen the same last scene they might understand it differently according to what they had previously seen
5: it was, um, it was really fun thinking about expanding the story world and having audience members come in as, as new employees of MechLife, this um, slightly shadowy Android company. Um, and yeah, It was really fun working with um, Gail and the producers um, to figure out how to expand it and um, creating a MechLife org chart and um, giving more little hints about um, where the story can go.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, childhood games when you start thinking of a vast world within your own mind and it was really great that we actually just got to implement it and really run wild with it. Um, yeah, really fun. I just want to know what your
0: experience has been like at the Sundance Film Festival. Is this your first time attending the festival and how has it been for you?
5: Ah, oh, Selena the veteran. <laughs>
4: All right, I'll start. you this is my fifth sentence and the second time with a film in the official selection. Like I said, last year I had a VR film I produced and directed. So... It's funny, so we'll see what they say. But the the fact that it's my second time with with filming the selection makes it so much more laid back because I kind of know what's going to happen, and I'm I just know that the the stakes are very high, obviously, but also the simple fact of being selected is already huge. So, congratulations! And I think everybody was just really putting everything they had into this premiere with the actors, with the performance, really trying to push the envelope, you know. And I think we can say that after the first weekend of sentence, the this is probably the number two or number one most talked about VR piece at the festival. When I say, oh yeah, I worked on Mechanical Souls, everybody's like, oh yeah, I, I've heard about it. So the fact that we try to do not just VR, but expand on it is, is really paying off, in my opinion.
5: Uh, for for Gail and I, it's our first time here, so um, yeah, really excited. And it's a, it's been such like a nice atmosphere. Um, I think it um, yeah everyone's been so welcoming, really nice. Um, I'm also quite unfamiliar with the states, so it's really exciting seeing American culture as well. And yeah, it's been really fun.
3: Yeah, so yeah, as LPD mentioned, it's our first time at Sundance. Um, it's also our first VR film experience, everything, a lot of firsts. And it's really amazing to, to be at Sundance, to be surrounded by all of these really creative, um, thoughtful and bold projects. And it is a huge stamp of approval. So it's really a, a massive boost and it's incredibly exciting. Um, coming here, I didn't really expect anything specific. So I feel like, you know, the stakes are very high, but the pressure is also off because everyone in the team knows exactly what they're doing. And so we can all focus on our our roles and ultimately enjoy the experience. Awesome. Yeah, we've learned a
1: lot about VR Um, since coming to Sundance. We got to experience some um, of the the different ones. Um, What are you most excited about in the VR space moving forward?
4: So it's been, I don't know how many years VR has been at Sundance, probably five or six. Uh, But I can see the difference. Every year it's getting better and better and more immersive and more emotional. This year I've tried a lot of different ones and I was blown away by the quality of everybody's work Uh, I start seeing some things we're mixing just kind of what we're doing with live performance and VR, other people are doing augmented reality mixed with performance and it's, it's kind of like this intersection of different technologies and different realities that I felt that suddenly everything comes to life and we have finally reached a point where we can say virtual reality has gotten out of
5: tech demo mode into an art form. Um, I don't know as much um, about VR as Celine, so I'm very much a newbie. Um, but from what I've seen so far, it seems really um, diverse. Like You've got poetry happening with the seven stages of man. or um, And there's um, visual art and artists who've turned to becoming a VR artist. There's just so much stuff happening. It's just really exciting to see um, what can happen next.
3: Yeah, there's a real convergence of so many different um, paths and disciplines who are all coming together in this one. Space. It's really cool to see how we all have different paths and different experiences. Um, it's also very exciting to see that tech and science and art form are all coming together into these experiences.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts. We really enjoyed the experience.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank
6: you my name is Teek Mock. I'm the creator of the project Grisaille um, that's premiering at New Frontier at Sundance Film Festival 2019. Uh,
1: can you tell us about the genesis for the idea uh, behind Grisai and and what you were examining throughout the piece?
6: Yeah um, so I started painting in virtual reality two years ago and um, just ever since I started working in the medium um, it's really shifted my idea of self and it's really made me want to, um, kind of observe the, um, what it means to what, what our experience is. And VR has, has given this amazing outlet of, um, of, um, sorry, let me, let me, uh, uh, Okay, so Grisai kind of evolved from um, the way that I was taking people into my virtual paintings, and I started painting in my 300 square foot like studio apartment, and um, it would be these really intimate moments whenever I would invite people over because of by proxy of the equipment, because of the setup and the sensors, I had to invite people over if they wanted to see the work, and it um, I noticed that. There was such an intimate connection there, that they were in the space that I had been creating and that we had... And they were able to... I was able to share my mind with them. And so... You know, um, I've, I've been looking at all the different outlets for um, the way that people can view VR work. And I didn't think that this because my paintings were so personal and because it I, I started to design this exhibit or a space that was designed around the way that a person experiences so it's it be, so Grisai begins the second you walk through the door and it's actually your journey that you are uh that you were going through so the story actually begins with you going into this new thing this headset that you have no idea what what's going to happen and um i you know it I always hear about people's experience in VR and I'm always heartbroken that they say that they're not into it because their first experience was in a mall and it was loud and like you know it's embarrassing someone was taking pictures of them or something and, and I thought about how important it was to design a space around the experience and, um, and how in, and how important it was that my presence was there to really create that connection. And I wanted it to, because I had so much, um, experience with self-reflection within the medium, because in VR, you don't have a body and it kind of shifted my idea of where I was, um, where my mind was, where my, what, what, the connection to my body was and, um, how ultimately what we feel inside is really all the same. You know, we constantly move in and out of emotions, kind of almost haphazardly, you know, like one minute I can feel sad and another, like something might happen that may trigger me into a different mental state. And, um, and we're all, like, especially with the way that I can center the, the viewer inside of a 360 experience um, as, so the entire project is done in one shot and um, you're moving as if you are a prisoner of time in a way. And that was really to reflect um, the kind of, sense of isolation and kind of loneliness that I felt while I was creating because um, kind of uh, juxtaposed to me physically painting everyone you know like creating this project I had to spend thousands of hours in isolation and um, it because of that isolation it really made me want to um, I saw that that because of these small connections of inviting people that that was really the value in doing it was that even though I had spent so much time alone it was making me connect like it was by proxy just was like Everyone that would come inside, it was a way that technology was really bringing us together. And I saw it as such an incredible outlet for um, for expression. Like, I think it's the ultimate artistic palette.
1: Is this your first sun- Sundance? And if so, how has the whole experience been?
6: Oh my gosh, yes. This is my first time at Sundance, and it's fascinating. Especially because, um, you know, when I... Because this project has to take place with people in a live space in a live setting, um, it, I, so far as of right now, I've painted 115 people into my collective painting. So it's really fascinating to to not only just visualize that, but just to like. Um, to really be able to see the people create this painting, you know, like um, there's no way I could have practiced this. Um, so it's kind of happened so organically and it feels like it is growing a life of its own at this point. And it's uh, because of the collection of people that have come through it that... It is alive, so um, I'm I'm excited to continue to watch it grow. And so this experience at Sundance has been fascinating because it proves to me that this is a medium that can connect us. You know, I've had people. You know, I have had. I've given so many hugs to people, you know, after doing this very intimate uh, painting, like tracing of their body and allowing them to watch themselves float away and uh, see all the vast other collection of people that have come through this. And and I think that's, uh, it's really, I I love how that it's actually working, you know? Like what I think of um, the way that, like I, I see the opposite occurring with virtual reality where you know like right now it's mainly its main point of use or and even the how it was created is has been for military purposes and for specifically to separate us with war with uh, by just turning us into killing machines and if it has the power to do that then it then that means it's so powerful with the mind. It, it has the p- ability to change you. And instead of using it to separate us, I think it's it, it is, that means it has an equal amount of power to bring us together. So I, 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 I really want to do that. <laughs> thank you so much. It was such a joy talking
0: with you and experiencing this experience. Thank you.
6: Awesome. Well, thank you for interviewing me. I'm excited
0: for, uh, that you guys got to see it. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. You can find us at a lens.com and at a lens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at a at gmail.com and you can download the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and on Apple podcasts, where we'd love it. If you left us a review, our theme
1: song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos are by Megan Cafferty. This podcast is produced by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell.